Welcome to North Star Big Book. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. My sobriety date is January 27th, 1999, and I created this podcast simply to share the message of the big book. It completely changed my life. It always changes my life, and I hope it can help change yours. Carly Recovered Alcoholic. I am making this recording on January 26th, 19... No, it's not 1999. I don't know how to say these dates without saying 1999. It's January 26, 2021. Man, I could never have even imagined saying that 22 years ago. So it's the eve of my sobriety date, which anyone's sobriety date the night before is not going to have been a good night. And mine was not either. Around this time, 22 years ago, I was six days sober. I had gone to five meetings in a row. I had announced my sobriety date to everyone that would listen, including my parents who were sober, all my professors, all my friends, all the people I was partying with. I went to a meeting every night. I got a big book that said, call me anytime with everyone's phone number in it. Um, I hated the meetings. I did not get a sponsor. I did not get a service position. I did not get a home group. I did not work any steps. I did not talk to God. The sole action I took was to not drink, not do drugs, and go to meetings. On the sixth night, which was this night, 22 years ago, I made the decision that I did not want to go to a meeting this night because I'd already gone to six meetings in a row and they weren't really helping. I also had tickets to a show that I spent $12 on at a bar that was at the Swindlefish, three blocks away from my apartment. I was living with a guy that we had an open relationship and it was a total drama fest. And he was going on a date that night with a girl he really liked. And so that night, instead of going to a meeting or calling a sponsor or working any steps or praying, I went to the girl he was going on a date with roommate's apartment. And they were partaking in things that I would have lost my sobriety date if I said yes to. And I said no. And I remember tears rolling down my cheeks because I was no longer proud of myself for not drinking or using. I remember thinking that I wanted to get drunk more than I'd ever wanted to get drunk six days sober. At six days sober, based on how I was using out there, I had no alcohol in my body. So the feelings and the thinking I was having was all based on my mental obsession. And I wanted a drink so bad I could taste it. I went to a bar and I was miserable. I hated myself. I hated everyone around me. And I looked in the mirror in the bathroom and I knew for a fact that I was not going to see my 20th birthday. I was 19 years old. My 20th birthday was three months away, and I knew that I was either going to take my own life or I was going to start partying again and overdose. And on that walk home, I left the bar and left those girls. I was crying and smoking and walking and thinking about a part in the big book that I'm pretty sure I had not read at that point, or maybe I heard about it at a meeting, but I personally think it must have been part of my spiritual experience. And it was the part in A Vision for You where it talks about how we can't imagine life with drinking and we can't imagine life without it. And that we get to a place where we feel loneliness such as few do and we wish for the end. And they're talking about their untreated alcoholism, which can happen in the rooms of AA, <clears throat> excuse me, or out of the rooms of AA. And we get to a place 
where suicide is our only option. And I've been to more funerals of people in the rooms who took their own lives sober than people who got drunk and died because it's the number one symptom of untreated alcoholism because we can't see another way out. At this point in my drinking career, I got to a place where alcohol and drugs no longer did what I wanted them to do, which was it no longer numbed my pain and shut my voices off. It actually magnified them and I was having a really hard time when I was getting drunk and high. And so when I was sober, I thought this was gonna be my solution and it actually wasn't. I was in the rooms of AA, I heard the same thing at those six meetings or five meetings that I heard at every single meeting. You know, they don't say new stuff. And I remember hearing people tell me when I was crying or I was struggling, like, it's going to get better. Keep coming back. It's going to get better. And I remember thinking to myself, it's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. Every single day I wake up sober is more uncomfortable, more painful. I felt like I had no clue what to do, how to live, how to breathe, how to exist without anything in my body. And I didn't talk to anybody about that. I just made all these decisions in my own mind, which is called the mental obsession. And on that walk home, I made the decision that I could not live like this any longer and I wanted out. I went to my apartment and I changed and I went in my bathroom and after seeing my options, which was a packed bowl on the table and a bottle of vodka in the freezer and a big book on the table with people's names and numbers in it, that I didn't know and that didn't know me, that told me to call me, call them anytime, but I didn't know who they were and I'm sure they wouldn't know who I was. Today, I can tell you, if you're listening to this, we want you to call us. We don't care who you are. And I, um, I went in my bathroom and without any alcohol in my body, I made the decision with my mental obsession that my only option was to end my life. And I remember staring at the first handful of pills that I poured in my hand and thinking about, is this what you really want? And I remember making the decision sober, this is what I really want. That my family would be in an immense amount of pain initially, but that they would ultimately be better off without me. Today I know that that thinking is because I was so lost and dark. They talk about it in the big book, it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To me, my mind and my body, my life seemed hopeless, but to an alcoholic who's recovered with the steps, knows that that is actually the best place to possibly get somebody because they might actually be desperate enough to do the actual work. I was done and I laid on the bathroom floor after swallowing about 90 pills and drinking the water from the faucet with my mouth and I pulled my body onto the floor and laid on the bathroom rug and I waited for the end. I know today that the voice I heard within me, which was insistent, it was without emotion, it was not loud, it was just clear, said that if I don't get up, I'm going to die. It, it used my word, my name, Carly, get up, call for help, you need to call for help. Um, this time, that voice did not stop. There were times before that, that that voice was there, like, you shouldn't do this, I don't know about that, I wouldn't go there, and I would always push it away. And this time, that voice was insistent. And today I know that that's that's the voice of God because I talk to God all day, all day, every day, and that's the same voice. And my boyfriend slash roommate came in the bathroom and he saw the empty bottles and he saw me on the floor and he picked me up and called 911 and was screaming and crying. And, you know, I was able um, through a pretty cool series of events this fall to contact Athens, Ohio Police Department. I went back to OU to the scene of the crime 
And I contacted them and I said, do you have any police records from January 26, 1999? And they said, we do. And they emailed them to me and I opened up the attachment. And the first thing I saw at the top of the police records was suicide. And my name and my date of birth and my address and the lieutenant's name, what they were going to do with me, where they were going to take me, what state I was in, that they needed to call a crisis team, um, that I needed to go get my stomach pumped. and. I was taken in the ambulance and I was rushed into the ER in the emergency room. They put a tube down my throat to my stomach and I drank two bottles of charcoal and they pumped my stomach and they told me I was not leaving until I passed a psych consult and I was an animal locked up and I swore and I was horrible to take care of and I ended up <clears throat> call, um, making them call my parents in Cleveland four hours away to tell them what had happened, worrying them sick. I ended up going to the ICU, waiting for the psych consult, and signing myself out against medical advice on January 27th, 1999, so 22 years ago tomorrow. And I went to the waiting room to bum a smoke so I could figure out my next move because I didn't believe I was done. I just believed I needed to get out of this issue. <clears throat> and on that walk home, I was given the one of the biggest gifts I've ever been given, and what we call it here is the gift of desperation. And I was desperate and tired and out of plans. I had nowhere else to go. Nobody wanted to hear my BS. I told everyone so many different stories. They were sick of me. And I literally had nowhere else to go but the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. And on that walk home, I was, I was done. And I called the woman that I had reached out to initially. And she told me to go to a meeting. And I've never stopped going since. And my story doesn't become rose petals after that. I got into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and I didn't do any work. I hung out. I used it as a social club. I smoked. I shook. I cried. I sweated. I got tattoos. I got dressed up. I went after your crazy boys. And I did everything I could possibly do except the work because why on earth would I choose to do the work when I heard people, well-meaning people, say, you don't have to rush into the steps. Let the steps rise to meet you. 90 meetings in 90 days. You're not going to, you didn't get sick overnight. You're not going to get well overnight. Um, you know, don't rush it. It takes time. And what I found was that when I didn't do any work and I just tried to figure things out the way that I always did, which was my way, I almost ended up dead in the rooms of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it wasn't until I sat down with a woman who had a big book that looks like mine does today with highlights and underlines and circles and pages that are bent over and underlined and writing on it where she sat me down and she took me through the book and she saved my life. And I remember being at her apartment and her telling me that I have to write down everything that she tells me to. I have to underline and highlight the way she tells me to. I have to look up the words the way she tells me to because one day I'm going to be taking other women through the book. And I thought, I didn't say it out loud because she was so scary that she's insane because nobody was asking me to do anything other than to be quiet or leave. And that big book work saved my life. It continues to save my life. There's never been one time in the last 21 years and 364 days that I haven't found the solution I needed in those pages from the, from the cover to 164. And my favorite promise in the whole book is on the bottom of 14, top of 15. It says, for if the alcoholic fails to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life, 
So you can't perfect and enlarge your spiritual life if you don't have one. I can't get a spiritual life until I've done one through nine. And then I can start having a spiritual life in 10, 11, and 12. So they're saying if I don't work on my spiritual life, which is 10, 11, and 12, through work, which is 10 and 11, and self-sacrifice, which is 12, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. The book tells me not that I might not, not that I may not, that I could not. It's not going to be possible to survive. And it says that the trials and low spots are ahead. So even though I've gone through trials and low spots that have been very hard to deal with, the book is telling me that there's still more ahead. And that if I don't do this work, I'm going to drink. And if I drink, I'm going to die. And that is the promise I love more than any other promise in the book because I have always been a glass half empty person of tell me what's going to happen if I don't do the work. I hear what you're saying, what's going to happen if I do. I'm used to taking less than I'm worthy of. Tell me what's going to happen if I stop doing the work. And what what they tell me is going to happen is what I've seen happen over and over and over. And what I wanted to share with you is that I could not be the human I am, the mother I am, the sponsor I am, the friend I am, the daughter I am, the wife I am, the granddaughter I am, if I wasn't doing this work out of the big book. My responsibility is to use it as a tool, not a weapon, to try to make it effective and attractive, but I would prefer being unattractive and honest if I have to choose between the two. My life depends on it, and it's not just my life. There are three boys who are alive today that did not ask to be born to an alcoholic mother. And there's a lot of other people around me that really love and depend on me. And my responsibility and my sobriety is not my own. And so I pray and I hope and I believe that if I do this work every single day the way that I've been taught to do it every single day and I become a master of consistency of just doing this work and falling down and messing up and doing the best I can and making amends and doing inventories and praying and meditating and not feeling connected and working with people and doing the the things that I'm supposed to do regardless of what's going on around me, whether there's a pandemic, whether I've lost everything, whatever's happening, health, relationships, family, life, whatever, I will be given everything I need to get through whatever is in front of me because the book promises it. And so my big, big dream is that I get to die sober, that I get to be an old lady in the corner sitting with my other old lady and old men friends that have been doing this work with me. And when someone comes in and they're new and they're struggling, They point to us and they say, if you are serious and you want to get better, go talk to them because they're the ones who will walk you through the work. I want to be a Sherpa of sobriety. I don't want to hide the the keys of the kingdom. I want to share it with everybody. And we're all in this together. And so the reason why my big book episode this week is me just talking to you is because The book is life to me. The book is everything. But at the end of the day, it's one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic like nobody else can. And I don't care where you're at in your sobriety, how many times you've come in or out. The only time to start is now. And this is available for everyone. And the solution doesn't only work for certain people. It only works for people that work it. Not for people that need it, not for people that want it, only for those that work it. And so if you don't have someone that's taking you through the book and the steps, 
find someone. Ask, ask, ask until you find someone that says, yes, I go through the book and the steps. I'm going through it with my sponsor all the time. I work 10, 11, and 12, and I will walk with you. Join us on Thursday nights, every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, to North Star Big Book Group in Cleveland. You can find us on Facebook for the information or in the episode notes. Um, check out my memoir. It's my soul baby. It's me daring a dream and showing the people um, that are walking with me that you can dream and do and put yourself out there. And please let others know that they can get the life that they crave and the connection they crave if they do the work. And I have it and I will never let it go. So thank you guys. If you'd like to join us on Thursday nights for North Star Big Book meeting, we would love to have you 7 p.m. Eastern. It's a Zoom meeting and the information is in the episode notes. Have a great one. For any listeners who would like to get deeper insight into my story, I just released my memoir, Seconds and Inches. It was a dream of mine for decades to write my memoir. And while I do not believe in mixing money in AA, I just wanted to share with the world that I did this accomplishment and it can be found wherever you normally purchase books, paperback, audio, or digital. I wish you an awesome day. Thank you.